welcome to Love Alexi. My name is Alexi Wasser. I'm your host, and this is my podcast. And my guest today is director, actress, producer, and activist Lena Esco. So Lena wrote and directed a movie. It's called Free the Nipple. It's available on Netflix. But Lena also started the entire Free the Nipple gender equality movement that argues that women should be allowed to show their nipples in public. But it's about so much more than just that, okay? Because really, the whole Free the Nipple campaign is a launching off point for a larger conversation about getting the Equal Rights Amendment passed, which is crazy that it hasn't been passed. It's 2016, and uh, the Equal Rights Amendment has not been passed. So yeah, the Free the Nipple campaign is about women's rights, promoting gender equality, getting equal pay, uh, paid leave when you have a child, uh, breastfeeding in public, so much more, uh, just equal rights. You know, God, men and women are beautifully different and the same, and women should have equal rights, God damn it. Um, so yes, it's a lovely conversation that we both have. If you want to find out more about Free the Nipple, go to freethenipple.com. You can follow Lena and her movement on social media at Free the Nipple. And um, yeah, Free the nipple. Just using boobs to highlight a bigger issue. Gender equality and passing the ERA. Um, side note of a side note. Has anybody else been having a very intense, uh, emotionally charged week? Because I feel like I've had so many really like existential moments where, oh my god, I just finished watching this movie called Wings of Desire by a filmmaker named Vim Vendors. And my god, I truly feel like uh, everything is explained about being alive and what we're doing here. It's all explained in that movie. Um, maybe I'm PMSing. I'm allowed to say that. I'm a woman. I can use that excuse because I truly am PMSing and feeling intense. But uh, yeah, the entire week I went to a Buddhist meditation center two days in a row. And because uh, I was like noticing all these things. Like, uh, the other day I woke up, last Wednesday, I woke up, like, in a in a bad mood for no real reason. And then I was, I got, like, tagged. Somebody just said something mean about me on Facebook in a really weird, passive-aggressive way where they, like, wrote the gnarliest, nastiest thing about me, knowing I would see it because it was a comment on a tagged, on a post I was tagged in. It just, whatever. I'm rambling. The point is, I just got very, like disenchanted by the fact that somebody would just be so passive aggressive slash aggressively shit talky and nasty because I would never be that way to someone um so then and I was like in a mood so I went to In-N-Out Burger and got got an In-N-Out combo meal by myself texted with all my girlfriends uh went to this meditation center and when I got there it was so adorable it was like I was the youngest person there I went to Mar Vista to this Buddhist meditation center. There was like seven people tops and they were all like between the ages of like 60 and like 80. And it was just adorable. And they welcomed me with open arms and there was like a cheese platter and snacks. And then we all went into the meditation room and they asked me, they were like, what brings you here? You're a new face. What's going on? So I was like, well, you know, I, and I didn't really want to share, which is shocking but I have this podcast for that. But uh, they're like, no, tell us, what brings you here? What are you noticing? So I said, you know, uh, 
as I begin to meditate, and I definitely don't meditate enough, I barely meditate, but I do listen to a lot of podcasts about meditating, which talks about how to interact with the world and be more graceful and uh, navigate life uh, being less reactive and kind of, I don't know, just trying to navigate the world in a more graceful way. I'll say it again. I'll say graceful twice. And I just talked about how the more clear-headed I feel and the more I feel conscious and awake to the world, I look around me and I kind of see behavior and ways in which people act that I don't like, that I kind of want to get away from. And I feel like I just went off on this whole thing about how like being more conscious and aware doesn't make me feel happier. It actually makes me feel like I'm a raw nerve walking this planet. And I like burst into tears and I like told them, I think this is because I'm PMSing. Um, and I, I started asking them advice and I was like, you know, I have people in my life. I don't like sarcasm. And it just made me feel like I wanted to cocoon and be very protective of myself, which I've done before. I, I took a two months sabbatical from engaging with people and, and, you know, romantically and kind of socially. And I don't really want to do that because I feel like it's a cop out and I want, you know, you have to interact with the world, but I just felt so, um, sensitive to everything and felt so reactive and just felt like, oh my God, I got to cut everybody out of my life who isn't acting the way I think they say should be acting or who, you know, I got to cut everybody out who I don't like how I feel around. And I can't do that. But I, so I asked these people at the meditation center, I was like, what do I do? Do I cut the people out of my life, like by walking away and wishing them well? Do I tell them what my issue is? And these are for people that I know. Or do I just endure it and know that they're trying the best they can and just let it pass through me, whatever. And it was like an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm because I feel like I was so intense that I managed to make the the uh, the teacher at the Buddhist meditation center snap. He actually pulled me aside and was like, man, you need to relax. You think too much. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm doing here. I'm already at the Buddhist meditation center and I have a full and complete, uh, I have the capability of being grounded and centered, but I also have the, the ability to put words and sentences to my thoughts and feelings, which I think a lot of people are not used to. And living in this post-Trump world, when a man tells me to relax and calm down and stop thinking so much, it doesn't work for me. Okay, it was a, this is a perfect episode to be talking about this on the Free the Nipple Equal Rights Amendment episode with Lena, because I just feel like I just have to tell you guys this. Men, if you're listening, it's like trying to telling a woman to be quiet or calm down or relax or she thinks too much. That isn't the same as listening to her and having a conversation. And this speaks to the entire social political climate we exist in right now where everybody, if they feel alienated by another person, uh, it doesn't help that everybody on Twitter or social media is trying to be louder than the next person and talk over people. That's not how change is going to happen. It doesn't help to squash somebody, tell them that they think too much, they need to relax and try to silence them. What helps is when people listen to one another and bridge the gap by, you know, having a conversation and trying to understand the other person and letting the other person know that they've been heard. So don't tell me at the Buddhist meditation center to relax and that I think too much. I know. That's why I'm there. Anyways, uh, but then there was a really lovely lady there who totally noticed what this guy did. And she said, well, Lexi, 
here's the thing. I understand what you're feeling, uh, but we can't tell you whether or not you should cut out the people in your life that uh, are sarcastic or mean or who irritate you that you think you might need to cut out, uh, you know, on your on your new journey towards enlightenment or consciousness or whatever. But Alexi, I will tell you that what really helps is actually practicing meditation because what meditation does is it helps you cultivate your inner wisdom and then you can use your intuition to tell you what to do and to, to guide yourself. And that's what it is. And I was like, oh my God, that's great. Thank you for hearing me. I totally get that advice. That makes sense. The information landed, I feel understood, heard, and you just helped me. Anyway, uh, of course, I would be the one who goes to a meditation center and make the meditation teacher snap at me, even though he had lovely intentions, I'm sure, and he did. Then I listened to a Ramdas uh, audiobook called A Spiritual Journey, and that just was even more helpful, even more helpful than the wonderful lady at the meditation center telling me to meditate and cultivate my inner wisdom, because it actually addressed all these other things that I've been noticing. So I should have just started with the audiobook, but you know, you got to live, you got to experience life, you got to take a chance, you got to go out to the Buddhist meditation center in Mar Vista. It does make me a little wary of like when you go to any kind of organized thing, group thing, like I don't like putting myself in situations where other people are going to like think they have power over me or they can snap at me or I don't know. So I preferred listening to Ram Dass's uh, audiobook and uh, I thought that was lovely. So that's a recommendation if you're into it. Um, I saw La La Land. I liked it. I cried. I had no desire to see it, but I saw it, and I'm actually glad I did. It was lovely. I also saw the LA Municipal Dance Squad perform at the Roller Derby, which was awesome. Uh, and I went out to a a nightclub, a night spot, or what have you, with my girlfriends. And uh, I wasn't really in the mood to be out at a club, and I was feeling very sensitive. And there are all these sarcastic people, and I felt like, oh God, when you go to a nightclub or whatever. You're like making yourself fall prey to like men looking at you and rating you and deciding if they want to like go home with you. And I'm like, ugh, I don't want to, I don't like how men are looking at women and everybody's sizing each other up. I don't want to feel like I'm part of some weird competitive weird thing. So then I just fucking chilled the fuck out. And I was like, relax, bonehead. Okay. How about this? Just people watch, just be here. So my girlfriend's danced and I was sitting down and I was just, I wanted to go home and was tired. But then I thought, I'll strike a happy medium. I'm just going to people watch because I love that. And this guy sits down next to me and he's very tall and he has these amazing, incredible hands. And I thought, cool, I'm going to talk to incredible hands guy. So I'm talking to him and uh, we're getting along. And then I look away and I turn back and I see him doing so many bumps of cocaine. And I was like, kind of judgmental at first. And then he spilled cocaine all over my jacket. And I was like, Ooh, yikes. The guy spilled the cocaine everywhere. Um, but then I thought, talk about a reframe. Then I thought, Oh my God, I'm talking to this drug dealer guy. I don't do drugs, but how cool I'm having a great conversation with this dude who does, uh, who does and sells drugs. Uh, what a, what a kooky night I'm having. So anyway, that was my week. I had a lot of nice, uh, existential moments. But mainly, oh God, I wept watching this Wings of Desire movie. My goodness. But I'll get into that in another day. This is a very long intro. But the episode of the podcast is shorter than normal. So I felt like I could go a little bit longer during the intro. All that aside, you guys, thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, 
Subscribe on iTunes, tell your friends, rate the show, leave a comment. I read all the comments. I would love it if you and I were friends on all of social media. I have, a, I have a penchant for having very intense direct messaging with people I don't know on social media. So maybe that could be you and me. One can dream. And uh, yeah, now I'm going to shut the fuck up so you can enjoy my conversation with the creator, the founder of the Free the Nipple movement, director, producer, activist, Lena Esco. Now entering Nerdist.com. You're putting your headphones on? Yeah. Let's get official. We're I haven't doing slept. It. You ha- oh my God, I I've barely slept. All night. You have? Yeah, I've literally been up all night. Doing, no. doing what? I was just writing this deck that it was due today for a thing I'm doing. For, for this- a movie? No, no, no. It's a deck for a presentation for a, a campaign I'm about to launch. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a top secret? Uh, not not anymore. We're just getting right to it. I'm yeah. just we're recording. Don't we're worry, mic'd. Yeah. We're, okay, we're you, like half asleep here. Okay, you being controlled. You say I'll try to be in control. I say yeah. here's your free water. You've got your kombucha. Yeah. I've got this. I was just talking to Aristotle about dating stuff bullshit. Date? Oh yeah, she's the she's a pro talker about this. I like talking about it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Is this your show? What's the name of the show? It's called Love Alexi. Where it's just it talks about we talk about everything, but it always comes down to like you know we always do touch upon like love and dating and relationships yeah. and what it all means and blah 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 are you single none of my business don't say mm, anything kind of not really no i'm not single anymore you're not saying oh god <laughs> i'm so upset i can't no i don't know yeah, yes yeah, i don't i don't know actually okay let's listen don't, don't are we really recording we now? really are <laughs> i know it just seems like we're half asleep in a like cub house <laughs> i know I like barely got here. My hair's like wet. I was like, I'm feeling so many feelings. Well, before we, I start interviewing. I love you. that poster. Who, who, who? This? Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to say I want to believe in love, but who did this poster? Aristotle? Wait, that one? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's from X. I don't know who did it, but it's from X Files. It's from X Files. Where Aristotle do I get says, that? Aristotle. Aristotle's a big part of this podcast already today because <laughs> he looks <laughs> so cute with that haircut. Sorry. Sorry. So, what is your shortcut name? Uh, Aristotle. Aris? Aristotle, Adi, Ari. Ari. What does Pete Holmes call you? Because I heard him refer to you as... Stots, Stottles. What is it? Stots. He calls you Stots? <laughs> All right. Stots. God, I got to get a cool... I mean, you're like a character on my show. So he refers to you with like a nickname. Wait. But, but we engage. I want you to just stand right there. Just like... Oh, really? With the earphones. Hell yeah. With the earphones? I, think it, I don't think it'll reach. They definitely won't. Actually, like, wait, wait. Oh, my God. It's going to be a horrible angle. Oh, Jesus. We're taking a photo. People love to hear this on a podcast. Wait. Oh, yeah. And there's a brain right behind you. That's great. That's great. That's great. All right. Cool. She's a... Wait, so how do I describe it? You're a director. You're an actress. You're a... Wait, wait. You're a multi-hyphenate, but like... Multi-hyphenate. If, I, if we were at a party, how would you... If I would go, oh, this is my friend Lena. Um, and uh, somebody goes, oh, you know, how do you spend your days? What do you do that, like, you know, LA oh, they just They just go from place to place. They just go from <clears throat> one sector to another sector. What do you mean? They just go from a sector of... What would you say, though? She's making hand gestures. You guys can't see that? I can? Sorry. <laughs> uh, it just goes from gestures to, like, uh, you know, sometimes I'll do a job, shoot a job, like, acting in it and sometimes I'll direct stuff and yeah. and a lot of the free time is really kind of going into one thing which is activism which is something I've done since I was a kid oh really yeah how did that happen um I started at like seven or six years old my mom used to take me 
I was born and raised in Miami, and I left there when I was 15. But before then, I would go to downtown Miami all the time to the Mother Teresa Center and feed homeless people. And then after that, I realized how happy that made me, and I just didn't understand why. And then um, after that, <clears throat> I read a book called The End of Poverty by Jeffrey Sachs, his whole mission to end poverty by 2025, I think it was. And this was about like 15 years ago, and I was on a mission to jump on board on that and get young kids to like – you know, be part of these millennial villages, which uh, Jeffrey Sachs created, which had 5,000 inhabitants that you teach him how to be self-sustainable. And that was his plan to end poverty um, and starting with Africa because it's the worst place in the world. So um, so that started there. And then I had I was doing activism there and then I got involved with the Cove. I started directing PSAs for the, you know, the dolphins that are being our friends are being slaughtered in Japan you know, in Taiji right now, still around 30,000 dolphins every year. And uh, I've been doing what I can to help Rico Berry, and uh, it's still continuing. Uh, the Japanese fishermen say that this is a, um, it's a tradition. Well, mm. fuck that. It's not a tradition. It's been around since 1969. So you need to stop slaughtering dolphins because... It's a long-standing tradition, actually. They've yeah. been doing it for a while now. Okay. I, know, I thought it was like 1800. <laughs> I'm like, no, 1969. Oh, God. Yeah, so, um, and they keep saying that they're eating their fish. I'm like, come on, shut the fuck up. Like, you know, we are the third smartest beings on the planet. First are the whales and the dolphins and then us. And that is a absolute truth. So um, I'm still trying to highlight that and try to help, but it's continuing. Yeah. You can't really change the government in Japan or the people there, so... Uh, and then I got involved with, um, you know, gender equality and empowerment of women. How did that happen? Because you, you are, how did I meet you? You're an actress also. Yeah. So I, would I just meet you at castings? Or, yeah. Isn't that crazy? So you do all this cool shit. I mean, it's all cool. It's all great. It's all like, you know, stuff that you do. But it's so interesting. There's a whole other side of you that's like... Uh, I, by the way, you see Ale- Alexi anywhere and you always remember her because she's like an alien. She's really? Like the, yeah, yeah, totally. You're like a face you never, ever forget. Is that a good thing? Is it's a good I'm, thing. Is this why I'm single? Is this no, why? it's not why you're single. You're just going to meet somebody that's just as incredible as you, but it's yeah. not going to be like that easy. Cause, That's not happened, yeah. But yeah, you see Alexi anywhere and you're just like, oh, there she is. Why didn't you tell me this, Aristotle? <laughs> Don't you, come on, you can never forget her face, can you? You know some people you forget? No, not you. Crazy face over here. Not crazy oh. face. It's just like, <laughs> you're just like this, like, you know, you, you can definitely be part of the the generation of aliens that are like two, three hundred years ahead of our time. Definitely. My, my dad actually is a uh, a whale or whatever. No, never mind. <laughs> no, no, no. That's I'm, I'm editing that non-joke out of this thing. I'm like, I don't know. How can I tie it back into activism? Um, well, that is very nice of you. Thank you for saying that. I'm so sleepy. I don't know how to... Don't, you don't know how to react. It's okay. I have to say thank you. Just receive. Um, God. So at... Oh, my God. How would you... You know... So that's how you would... Describe, you, wouldn't tell, you wouldn't tell anybody that at a party, would you? you would no, I usually that. say, go, like, what do you do? I was like, just doing. Hanging. Oh, my God. It's just sometimes, you know... I don't know what it is when people want, like sometimes you feel like opening up and sometimes you don't and sometimes you just want to talk about things and yeah. not be it what you do or whatever and it's just I don't know I, sometimes it feels like you just it's just like oh to get into that conversation is going to take all this energy out uh, and I just want to yeah. chill yeah <laughs> I don't want to get passionate about 
all the things, all the injustices that are happening right now. It's just going to take too much energy. Let's just focus on the dumb shit right now. Yeah, I like to do that too sometimes. Just yeah. change the subject or ask where the ladies room is and then yeah, yeah, walk exactly. away. But uh, so I I want to know how... Okay, I watched your movie yesterday. Oh, you did? I did. Congratulations. <laughs> I loved it. This is crazy. It's a miracle that it made it to the other side of the tunnel because literally what we went through was insane. I need to know all about... Okay, so it's called Free the Nipple. Yeah. And you are also the founder of this movement yeah. called, I mean, do I call it hashtag free the nipple? Uh, free the nipple. Mm-hmm. And I want to know how that started. So I'm going to set you up and then I'm going to lean back and wait to you answer all <laughs> this bullshit. Asleep, <laughs> I will not fall asleep. But I mean, so you, it was really interesting because, you know, you made this movie, this narrative film, uh, you know, instead of just doing a straight up documentary, it was such an interesting way to go about like talking about what the movement is. So listen, what got started? What happened first? Free the nipple, the movement, or the movie, and how did it all begin? Just tell me all the stuff, okay? Just, just fucking lay it down, please. okay? Where's the ladies' room? I get you out of here. It all started in 2010. <laughs> did it? I was literally peeing, and all of a sudden, I had a vision about these women running around topless in New York City. City. New York City, I like that better. <laughs> New York City, challenging the censorship laws in America by going topless for equality. And I had that vision. And then I took a big hit of acid and I took it deeper. And then I was like, I have to raise some money and I have to do a a feature because I don't have enough real topless warriors out there where I can actually go and film and do a documentary because there isn't any. So I'm going to have to make it myself. No, I'm kidding. But oh, yeah, God, but God it, damn it! I was riveted. Um, it, it kind of happened like that, but it didn't happen while I was peeing. I just literally, all of a sudden, one day, I saw it, and I was like, "Holy shit! How can I start a conversation about gender equality?" Well, I got to do something disruptive, and 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 then um, and that's how it really started. And it came as an idea. And in 2011, in 2010, I actually told a pretty badass director from France. I said I had this idea for my first feature to direct. And and she's like, whenever you're done with a script, I'm going to finance your movie. Oh, and, my God. And I was like, what? Are you kidding? She goes, you're going to like, I'm a first time director. I've never really directed a feature. I've done short films and I've directed PSAs. But I, and she's like, whenever you're done with it, I'm going to support you. And I was Jesus. like, I thought she was kidding. I was yeah. like, ha ha. Who is this? <laughs> Lisa Azuelos. She's a kind of a, she's actually a pretty famous French director. Um, She's a badass. And she's like, she just basically said she was going to support it. And then in 2011, I met up with one of my best friends who's a screenwriter, and I told him the idea. And by the way, in 2010, I heard he bought freethenipple.com, and everyone was like, what? What the fuck are you doing? I was like, ah, whatever. Don't don't question it. Just, you just, bought or he did? Oh, I did. I you did. did. Okay, I just went and bought the domain. It was like $7. Yeah. And um, and then in 2010, I, we sat down for about six months, and we just worked on the script. And we had something solid that we can show. And in December of 2011, Lisa called me from Paris. She's like, I'm financing your movie. Oh, my God. Can and I, I was like, it, what? Is it tacky to ask the budget? I mean, it's, I mean, Yeah, no, we raised, I mean, we, to start shooting, we shot everything around like 500,000. And then post-production and music and everything was another 500. So it was like a million bucks. So, total. oh, God. Okay. Yeah. How many, how, how many days was the shoot? Uh, seven weeks. Seven weeks. We shot, we were in pre-production in New York City by, and why New York City? Because it's been legal since 1992 to be topless, but that wasn't the case while we were shooting. Yeah, I saw I'll get that. into that in a minute. Yeah. So, uh, so, um, so in 2012, uh, we were in pre-production in New York City and we were, we started shooting in October 
And the easiest thing that came in this whole entire process of six years has been the money to finance the picture. Oh, my God. Everything else has been impossible from getting arrested, from shooting to, you know, through Sandy, the worst hurricane to hit New York. For my really good friend Lola Kirk, who's the lead in the movie, um, getting another big movie. And obviously I was like a nobody director. So they had to, like, get her out 10 days of her shooting schedule with us to go and rehearse another movie. And it created all these holes. And I ended up being... You know, one of the main characters because I wasn't supposed to be, but we you had weren't? To, yeah, no, I was supposed to be like the co-star, and she was supposed to be the star. Um, I was supposed to be just a sidekick journalist, but she got this big movie, and 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 I was like, oh, I get it. And um, what was the movie? She got uh, Mistress America, no Bombeck's movie, yeah. and then she got Gone Girl, but she was just like back to back after that. So, um, and then we were just kind of literally patching the holes while we were shooting in like pitch black, like no electricity. And like, we were like, holy shit, I, I'm fucked. We were shooting scenes about, again, this is 2012. We were shooting scenes about having a million women show up to DC. Like that was in the script. Our end was in DC with a million women. And the way I was going to shoot it, I was going to have like a hundred women and do obviously visual effects and multiply a million women. Well, what's so funny is that in January, there's going to be the women's million March. And we talked about that in the film. Like, Oh my God. So while I was shooting movies, uh, while I was shooting scenes about getting a million women in DC, uh, my investors were like, we can't afford this this end in D.C. You're going to have to figure it out. We can't afford $60,000 with visual effects and flying everyone there. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I just shot two days of scenes talking about this plan oh, that we're doing. God. And they're like, sorry. And I was fucked. So I didn't have an ending. Uh, Lola had to be out 10 days of our shooting. I mean, she was shooting 10 and gone. I had to race her out of those 10 days. And uh, and then also all the that's why there's uh, censors in the movie, because there was never meant to be censors. But when we shot, for example, the opening sequence uh, in uh, Wall Street, uh, the cops, you get permits, obviously, from the city. The cops were there. And the moment I yelled action, he goes, you, you got to get all your girls to cover up at least pasties around the boobs. And I was like, what are you talking about? It's legal since 1992. And um, I've got permits. He goes, oh, this is a different sc- scenario when you're shooting topless women you're not allowed to because it can seem like you're shooting porn to passerbys so you're gonna have to tell them all to wear pasties and i was like holy fuck i have like 18 more exteriors of topless women how the fuck am i gonna do this i was wondering why certain scenes the boobs yeah, were only the first out. half of the film oh okay keep going well the reason why that ended up happening was because so i was like he goes and i had no choice you know i had just blocked the entire fucking like right near the where the bull was at and I had to shoot. I was like, all right, I'm just, I just got to trust the process. And I'm going to shoot these women with these pasties and I'm going to blur it out. Maybe I'll just do the first half like that. And then the second half, I, I ended up just stealing all the shots. I didn't get permits. Oh, wow. I rehearsed with all the girls. We went there with jackets. I did one, two, three. They took your jackets off. Oh, that's and then, awesome. So we did all that. So all this, that's why the first half of the film is censored and the second half isn't because the first half, there was no way around it because of these permits. And um, and then the second half isn't. But visually ended up working. You actually got to see what it feels like to for censorship and how stupid it is and, and when it actually is not there anymore. So those are just kind of things that were just all kind of happening while we were shooting. And, um, and then we wrapped the movie and um, 
I was like, I don't have a fucking movie. I am fucked. Why didn't you have a movie? I mean, I had holes everywhere. Like, you know, <sighs> patching here. Let's add Lena into the scene instead of Lola. Let's, uh, uh-huh. you know, let's uh, let's do this. It was just holes everywhere. No ending. So I went to the editing room and, you know, I tried to save the film. It was awful. Oh, my God. Yeah. This and is then, fascinating. Yeah, it was awful. And then um, six editors, diff- like, later, in the next, like, ten months, I ended up having a cut that I was kind of happy with. And um, and then that was it. And then I showed it to all the distribution companies that I I had contacted, and they all loved the film, but they just didn't know what to do with it. They said literally this to me: "There is no audience." And if you look back, 2012, 2011, 2013, media wasn't talking about you know college rape cases or uh, you know uh, what women were getting paid and men getting paid. No, that was not part of the media or like women being sick and tired of getting their pictures retouched or. You know, women speaking up about, you know, sexual abuse and stuff. Now it's become this thing where media is just constantly printing these stories, which is amazing. There's a major support in that. But then there was none of that, you know, and all the distribution companies were like, yeah, this is great, but there's no audience for this. So in um, uh, in November, actually mid 2013, I was like, actually October 2013, I was like, fuck this shit. I'm going to start the movement. And I thought the movie was going to come out. And then begin the movement, And right? begin the movement, oh, and then change was happening. But it happened the opposite. I oh, was shit. like, fuck this shit. So I started the movement. I called uh, friends of mine that are influential, uh, like Miley and Lena Dunham and all these other people. Miley and they started... Cyrus. How do you know Miley Cyrus? Very cool. Oh, we did a movie. <laughs> nah, we did a movie back in 2010. But um, so they all started tweeting and Instagramming, and it just kind of went viral. Like, viral. Like, you know, like, Miley's name in connection to a title called Free the Nipple. And now all of a sudden she had a, she had a reason to do what she was doing, a much bigger reason. And... Um, and it just went viral and Scott Willis, you know, had just been kicked out of Instagram and she started speaking about it and all. And then it just kind of created this this support in social media. And then from there, that's when, re, you know, distribution companies started calling and I ended up selling the film to IFC and uh, Netflix. Oh, my God. And it was released last year. But again, no PNA. It was kind of just, you know, word of mouth kind what's, of through all social PNA? No print advertisement. It oh. was just like. Boom, like kind of grassroots. And then uh, the movement just continues to grow every single day. And girls are, I mean, at the end of the day, like I said this before to you, it's not, it was never about the nipple. You know, the nipple was just a Trojan horse, you know. Tell that me was about it. that. Tell me yeah, what it symbolizes. So it's not, because I feel like, you know, for boneheads out there listening who are like, what do you mean? It's just a girl just want to show their nipple. I don't know. Yeah. Or it's like, it's an entry point to a bigger conversation. So Correct. lay that out. Well, definitely it's, uh, I mean, simple. Like I would not be here if... <laughs> If I would have gone topless or we would have named this movement and, and film Free the Nipple, you know, it just had to be quirky and funny and engaging. And uh, the whole point of it was, was to start a conversation. You know, there's no way you'd be talking about this if my movement was called Equality and my film was called Equality. And that's that's the sad part of it all. It's funny. I think there is a documentary called Equal Means Equal. It just oh, yeah. came out. I yeah. think I heard something about that. But uh but I want to know about the initial idea that sparked, like, this is a fun way to get into it. It's like, you know, women, uh, you know, trying to get equal rights or, you know, uh, be seen as equals to men and, and showcase, like, the difference between men and women and how they're both perceived. And, and the, But what was it that, what was the initial thing? Like, what, was there some kind of way you were wrong right before you had that, you know, that idea to do this when you had this, like, epiphany? 
did something happen to you that you went, fuck it, I'm done. Like, I'm done. I can't stand it. Did you have a weird meeting Not with someone? Or there Not wasn't that, Or did you see somebody being, uh, you know, a girl treat, being treated lesser than or, be, or whatever? That yeah, sparked, well, it st- all started. I know it's uh, all around us all the time. All but the did, time. You, did you have a final moment where you're like, fuck this. I'm going to fucking do something and shake the world up because I'm so infuriated. Yeah, I mean, I think it all started. First time I saw inequality, I think it was at home. My father was very controlling and not fair with my mother and I witnessed every time they would fight I was like my mom would stay quiet and like it was just bad and I was and 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 how controlling he was I think it really bugged me and I think that was it and then uh in terms of growing up and feeling that not really I've had amazing men amazing women in my life and friends that I've never really felt that but I well lucky you but yeah (laughs) but I watched this movie in 2009 um called um Iron Jawed Angels. It's uh, about Alice Paul. And uh, actually, you know, equal means equal. Uh, it's about Alice. They're talking about the woman that started the Equal Rights Amendment in 1923. Which still hasn't been passed, which I think no. a lot of people well, don't that's even realize. Our, that's our big campaign that we've been working on for the last year. It's about to launch. Uh, yeah. But, uh, and I even have ERH tattooed in my oh, thing. Do. Yeah, I got that like a few years ago. And it's like, I'm not going to stop until we get the Equal Rights Amendment to be the 28th Amendment in the Constitution. And that is but, the whole reason for free the nipple right that exactly. is the entire that's the whole reason it's about end, gender yeah. equality that was the whole thing and alice paul was a big influence in me from the beginning and this movie actually hillary sank uh plays her and it's it's about what she did to get the equal rights amendment into the constitution it never really passed it passed the senate in 72 and uh, when reagan came into office it was smashed in 82 so it's kind of been just why is not, that so what are be, they, what are women asking for equal rights and what does that mean i want you to spell it out for somebody who just doesn't even well majority of women think they're free i mean majority of the countries around the globe have something in their constitution that states men and women are equal we don't have that in 72 it passed by the senate but it never moved anywhere further there was three states that uh, needed to be ratified and it didn't. So uh, they kind of just let it die. And if Ronald Reagan basically said, this is not happening, this is not moving forward because we have something in our 14th Amendment that states all peoples are equal, which doesn't really protect anyone. So um, so it just kind of died out. And uh, they did a documentary about a year, two years ago, based on a book called Equal Means Equal. This woman did did it based on the book. I think the writer is Ingrid something, but Newkirk or something. Um and the book and the book and the documentary talk about the details of the Equal Rights Amendment. And Free the Nipple uh, is about to launch their big campaign to get the Equal Rights Amendment uh, into the Constitution. We're all doing the same thing, but I think everyone needs to get involved in their own way, however, because this would be something very re- revolutionary. And the fact that, you know, they've legalized gay marriage before this is crazy, you know, in our country, you know, and this is should be should have been passed a long time ago. Uh, and it would solve a lot of problems. Um, like what problems? Uh, problems if you were to find out that your your um, coworker is getting paid more money than you, they would be afraid to even do that because you can go to court and sue them and win. Yeah, no matter if, what. If you're male, if you're a female and your male coworker coworker is making more money, than absolutely you for doing the same job. Yeah, or not getting harassed because you're breastfeeding in public. I mean, the reason why uh, you know Free the Nipple was responsible for the reason why you know Facebook reversed their policies in 2014. We what were those launched, policies? I don't even know. Uh, women weren't allowed to post pictures of breastfeeding on Facebook and Instagram. We changed all that in 2014. You did? Yeah, we did a campaign called Everybody's Got to Eat and uh, launched. And Soraya Semeli, who's an incredible journalist, and I, we wrote this amazing kind of article that kind of got Facebook thinking and they changed everything. Like now women are allowed that before 2014, July of 2014, it was legal. So there's little baby steps happening, but like going back to what we were talking about, 
it was never about the nipple. It was about gender equality. Even our slogan is how far will you go for equality? It was never about the nipple. Yeah. If this is what it takes for me to list for you to listen to me, I'm going to do that. And the same thing where the entire Republican Party in July, I think summer of July of 2014, including women voted against equal pay. They if I would have, yeah, they did. If I would have had a hundred women outside in DC, outside of Congress, topless with the 78 cents statistics and the 56 cents for minorities, this would be making headline news and everyone would be talking about equal pay because I had girls topless doing that. I didn't do it, but I'm just saying that is, those are the things that sometimes you need to do. And like, we should take advantage of the fact that the boobs still have so much stigma around them to bring highlight into these issues because it's still going to make headline news. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so yeah. You said something, I'm like half asleep still. Um, I'm waking up. Uh, you said something in your movie, with your whole movement where you say, uh, oh, God, it was. Uh, it's like they're taking our sexuality away from us. Are you reading us my notes? Don't read no, my I notes. No, I don't. I just. Yeah. I, no, you don't. Yeah, really? Our sexuality has been taken yeah. from us and is being sold back to us. I thought, that was so, I yeah. thought that was so interesting. We knew. Can you expand on that, please? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, a seven year old girl once told me, literally, she said to me, why is it that we can sell breasts, but we can't wear them? And it really comes down to that, you know. Why is it that you can put labels on my body and like do whatever you want with it or sexualize it or objectify it? And the moment I just I'm topless because I want to be topless and I want to own my body, I'm being condemned and considered a slut and considered however many things. Um, And the reason why I thought you were going to say that, because that's the quote that keeps coming up when I do interviews. People Mm -hmm. are like, well, what about this? I was like. I just so, think yeah. it's real. It really yeah. like resonated with me because it's like, oh well, yeah, you can buy porn, you can go buy a lap dance, you can go pay to yeah. you know give you know give strippers a, a dollar bill or whatever. It's like, yeah, there's a price put upon it. But yeah, if you were to take your top off in public, it's like, whoa, know. you know, on on my own terms. Yeah, that would be crazy. So I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. So they basically take our sexuality away from us and they sell it back to us in increments through advertisement media movies and that's what we get we get it all but except that little ball that little nipple you know and apparently like this is true actually when uh, you're in your mother's womb before the genitalia is formed the nipples are formed mm-hmm. oh god <laughs> getting, getting the scoop yeah. getting the whole scoop today yeah but you know this is something really interesting uh before 1937 i said this you know uh it was legal for men to be topless in america and, uh, you know, men were getting sick and tired of getting fined a dollar each every time they didn't want to wear their one-piece suit. And, you know, this just became very topical at the time. And they were like, um, we're tired of this. We want to be able to be topless. Oh, wait, they would get fi- men would get fined Fine if they were a topless? Dollar, yeah, a dollar each if they were topless. And they got tired of them. Thousands of men were just like, we're sick of it. And thanks to four men from Coney Island in 1936, they took this to the court. Obviously, the judge was a man and it was passed. And since then, it's been normalized, you know, in 1938, 39, I think Clark Gable was the first male actor to be topless in a movie. So think about it. We've had so many years since then to normalize men walking around topless. Now we see men and we don't topless and we don't even look twice unless he's fucking hot. You're just like, oh, my God. (laughs) You know, other than that, you're just like, (laughs) unless he's got like, unless you're super attracted and you're like, oh, my God. I'm usually looking away. Yeah. I'm like, exactly. get out of here. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I actually wouldn't want to. I, I'm I'm interested in the whole conversation about equal rights. I mean, I, I was thinking, you know, I don't really. Uh, even if they did pass, even if it was le- was legal for me to go topless, I'm so terrified of men and and how out of control they are mm-hmm. and how and 
uh, what uh, I can't speak. To no, that. I know. I know what you mean. I wouldn't even want to go talk because I'm just like I. I get men culturally, and I understand the way their brain works, and I just I just wouldn't even want to take the chance. Right. Like I'm like I want to. I want to keep my top on. Yeah, I want equal rights, and I want all that. But it's uh. But I just feel like. Uh, it's a choice, you know, it's like, but again, if it were to be I like the conversation, I like the conversation, absolutely. this movement start, you know, yeah. the, the conversation it starts, but I'm just thinking how interesting it is where it's like, uh, yeah, I, I want to protect that and keep that to myself because I just don't trust uh, totally. bonehead men and... Uh, totally. I mean, if it's it's kind of like this, it's it's part of the normalization of it. And if it were to be legal, which it will be at some point, we're going to look back at this the way we look at ankles back 100 years ago. Oh, God, this is the case with ankles, too. Yeah, so, you're, I'm you know, all these things. you're going to look at that and you're just going to be like, but there's that part part right now that's happening with this, the normalization of it. But, you know, it, it's never going to change. It's like you're going to see a certain person you're addicted or uh, attracted to and you're not going to stop looking, you know. Yeah. But. It's, 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 it, it will shift. I mean, I, this guy once told me, if you're going to be topless, I can't stop looking at them. And I was like, it's fine. But if I'm sitting here five hours in front of you, at some point, you're going to get sick and tired of them, aren't you? And he goes, you're right. You're going to look at your phone like all the other men. Yeah. And you can't stop men or women to, to, to like not be attracted. It's part of it. But again, it's like you have one in three or five women that have been raped or molested or sexually harassed, you know, and were they all rocking around topless? No, they weren't. And, yeah. you know, all these rapes are happening full clothed with full clothed women. So at the end of the day, it's not going to change anything. And if women were to it were if it were to be legal to be topless, women would not walk around topless. It's about having the right at the end yeah. of the day. That's it. Because in some states you can go to jail for it. In some states you'll get, you know, fined for it. And it's crazy. And men are not. Like that's the thing. When you're topless, it does not equal to nudity, just as much as if a man's topless. It's just being topless. Yeah. Nudity means seeing genitalia. And that's a big misconception. Wait, so tell me. What would change? What are what, if the Equal Rights Amendment got passed? What would we be looking at? We would be looking at equal treatment on all, and actually would protect men as men as well. But it would be from equal pay to toplessness to me, women be feeling safe and you know to breastfeed in public, and the list goes on. I mean, there's there's a lot that would. I mean, it's very complicated. That's why it's so hard. Uh, to get it passed. And the reason, one of the reasons why it didn't pass in 72 is because it would mean that women would have to get drafted as well. Oh, really? So that was one thing that was that was holding it back. Um, so women were probably holding it back. They're like, oh, yeah. oh, this doesn't work for me. Yeah, yeah there yeah, was yeah. like some crazy women who were like, no, we believe women should be at home you know, It's like the women who the voted babies. for Trump. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. those Trump voter ladies. Ugh. Goodness, women, Ridiculous. man. Time to wake up. Um, but I there's one thing where I feel like culturally I wouldn't feel protected. Even if the Equal Rights Amendment got passed, I'd be interested. I, I want to know more about like on paper, like technically, like right. uh, with equal pay. What? Because I feel like even if it did get passed, let's say I were to breastfeed in public, if I ever meet anybody, I'm ever going to have a baby with or fall in love. Don't with. be so negative. Um, <laughs> if no, when? I mean, when I meet when? the person, I uh, I still wouldn't feel safe to to breastfeed in public or I, I would just still expect like culturally, I think as a, as a people like every day, uh, that's got to catch up. You know, like I feel like you're still going to run into people who are like act a certain way and aren't super, super graceful or evolved or like, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And but so I'm more interested in uh, I'm more interested in like what this means on paper. 
Like equal pay and then what else? Not not even the, the feeling of the community because that, that takes like a family to raise their child. I can read you a list. Son. You want me to read you a list? Yeah. You I, would, do? I would like to know because I, I'm spelling this out for like young girls and men and whoever happens to be, you know, stumbles upon this podcast to, you got to I can read you a list from my, um, from my, uh, my package here. Yeah. So we're about to launch our campaign. Um, it's called the Human Campaign. Okay. And uh, I'm one of those. Humancampaign.org. And um, this is the first place, first place I've ever talked about it. Exclusive. We're about to launch before the year ends. And, um, and it's Free the Nipples' biggest campaign till, to date. And we've been working on this for a few years. Uh, like I said, Alice Paul has been a big influence in me. And she was a badass from, you know, back in the 1900s who basically introduced the, 19, the, 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 the Equal Rights Amendment. Which would be today the 28th Amendment in the Constitution. So uh, I'm about to launch a 24-month campaign. And the reason why it's called the Human Campaign, and I couldn't believe it was available on, on, on GoDaddy. On GoDaddy, no It was less. like $13. <laughs> I was like, how is it that no one thought about the human campaign? .com and .org, available for available? $13. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and the reason is, she's like, available? <laughs> and the reason is because... Um, the reason is because why we called it the human campaign is because I believe a lot of the reasons why women's movements keep going backwards is that they tend to exclude men and they tend to point fingers of all these situations that have happened in the past. And you can't, you know, you can't move forward if you keep looking backwards. So we called it the human campaign because we're all the same. We're all the same underneath. We're all human. And at the end of the day, like Hillary said it, you know, women's movements, women's rights are human rights. So, uh, and and the whole our whole mission is to get the Equal Rights Amendment into our Constitution. That's it. The Human Campaign is working on that around the clock for the next twenty four months. Jesus. And we're going to be hiring lobbyists. We're going to be hiring senators. We're going to be going to to be just dealing with this at another level to make sure that we have this. You know. Um, so in terms of what would actually change, you really want me to read you some? some? I really do because here's the thing. I. I, there's the cultural behavior of, of day to day when you run into people and, and how they how they respond to women and whatever. That's one thing. I think that'll take a while. I mm-hmm. I want to know the cold hard facts of how you're protected if you go to court. You know, like right, I'm going to read you five of them because yeah, it's yeah. too much. I hope I'm making sense here. No, totally. So what will change when the ERA is passed? ERA. A gender discrimination in the United States federal law and the U.S. family court laws would be completely abolished. Thus, it would become illegal to show gender favoritism. Number two, American citizens will legally have equal civil, human, and diplomatic rights from all types of discrimination. Without ERA, the Constitution does not guarantee that the rights is protected and equally held all by citizens. The Supreme Court Descalia, that's his name, right? Descalia? The guy that died? The Supreme Court judge that just died? We're not normally a political podcast. That's totally fine. But (laughs) I think his last name is Scalia. Um, Scalia. Sorry, Scalia. We're doing our best over here at the Level XP podcast. It's okay. (laughs) Scalia. So this Supreme Court judge that died, he's like, he basically said, there's nothing in our Constitution that protects women. And he said that. Nothing in our Constitution protects women. How did he die? Was he murdered? By a woman uh, hating man? He, he just died. He had a heart attack okay. or something. Well, that's none of my business. Keep going. So, um, Chubby guy. Yeah. Keep. Hardcore Republican. Oh, gross. Um, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I don't have a problem with Republicans. Me I have friends that are Republicans. Yeah, we're just but, living our lives. Sorry. <laughs> but if you're voting, I mean, I don't care if you're voting for, for McCain or Trump or even W, but if you're voting for Hitler, you're voting for Trump. I mean, I'm sorry. That's that that level. 
Sorry. If you're voting for Trump, you're voting for Hitler. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh God. So yeah. so he basically said there's nothing in this constitution, and I have to be honest, that says that women are protected. And if culture has changed, well, the amendments, the constitution needs to change. And until it it, it changes, I can't do anything about it. And that's the truth. So point number three, ERA would provide a clear court standard for setting on cases of gender discrimination. It would also clarify sex inequality jurisprudence. This amendment provides a strong legal defense in opposition to rollback of the essential advances in women's rights. Without ERA, Congress can replace or deteriorate existing laws on women's rights. Without ERA, both men and women have to fight long and fight it hard to prove that their rights are all equal. This amendment also provides the U.S. human rights stand in the world of community. That's just one of many. How do you how would this even be enforced? I mean, it, it's it would because I feel like misogyny is so. Well, that's the thing. But but again, we're living in a time where things are changing. There's more women that have been voted into Senate this year, apart from what happened with Trump than ever, you know, so. There is change happening, and I and I feel like this will happen in a lifetime, and it ha- and this is why we're gonna the amount of momentum Free the Nipple has, the amount of followers, the amount of everything is all gonna be channeled to one thing: getting the Equal Rights Amendment into our Constitution, which is gonna be called the Human Campaign. And we're gonna we're not gonna stop until it it gets there. I even have it tattooed on my fucking high on. Is that a stick and poke? No, it's legit. I love it. Oh, sorry. Ooh, God. Oh, in, it, my oh, face, no, actually, in my face. In my face. Oh, no, actually, I thought you said something else, but stick and poke. I love stick and poke. Me That's too. even more legit, actually. Yeah. yeah what did like you think school. I said? I don't know. I'm half asleep. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> did you think I said Kat Von D? I thought you said poke you. And I was like, what? Pokemon? Um, oh, my. So what can my listeners do? Like, let's break it down to like a grassroots level of like, what can people, they hear this. They're all inspired by you. They're like, oh, my God, Alexi's, a, Alexi's just uh, this flighty, <laughs> flighty lady talking to a real serious woman Shut up. <laughs> so what can they do what can i do like well the humancampaign.org will be up in no time i mean it's up right now you guys can go there humancampaign.org and we'll be pretty much updating everything but we're planning on launching first week of uh, january and it's gonna be a it's gonna be a long thing but we're gonna do it and i'm telling you i'm not stopping until this gets up there but i mean like what can i if like what's one thing every girl or guy listening who wants uh equal rights for men and women it's about conversations it's about like if you see something that's not fair you feel like you can't speak your mind speak your mind you know do it with love you know and 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 that's another thing like all the guys in my life they're all amazing men and i'm always like can you please go and inspire more men can you please go and stand up for more women they're like yeah like that's the thing we need to acknowledge that there's a lot of great people out there. There are great a lot. Men. A, a lot of great men. Absolutely. Okay. Good. Absolutely. And and that's the thing. We need to make sure that we are talking to them and, and asking them to help because it, it's just it, if if we don't, then everyone that's the thing. We're living in a time right now where you have to you have to become an activist. Activism has to be a way of your life. Because it's it's pretty bad out there right now and you know yeah. So it's important for you over there. Oh, he's great. He's the greatest. I know, but for you to go and talk to other guys that you see talking inappropriately or you see 
them saying things are just like, dude, come on. It's 2016. Get over yourself. Like, go get laid. I don't know what it is you need to do. I don't know why you hate women. Like, get over yourself. It's like this thing back and forth. You have women that hate men. You have men that hate women. You have men that have been triggered by women that have broken up you broken their hearts and then they start projecting all their shit onto other women or they have mommy issues or they have and women too they have daddy issues. i mean we're all projecting against each other like or i've been raped or you've been raped or and we're projecting that other men are going to do that so like we need to stop that that's the thing we need to stop that we need to stop seeing people that come in our lives as other people that have hurt us in the past and so and how do you do that i feel like that comes down to like consciousness that comes down to working on yourself that comes down to like doing the work internally like going seeing a therapist meditating just being held accountable for your thoughts and like that's difficult that's a lot i mean i do that in my life and it's a day-to-day work in progress and i think i'm at a pretty great level but i still have a lot of work to do most people i feel like are walking around completely unconscious and just like you know if i sometimes i feel like it's more painful to be a conscious person walking around seeing uh, how other people act because it's not my place to tell other people how they are and what they can do. And they wouldn't even hear me if I said anything. The information wouldn't even land if I said, hey, you're saying this thing. And it's like you can't wake people up and and some people just can't. I don't know. It just seems very difficult. So all you can do is just take care of yourself and try to be like, oh, yeah, I've got to remember like like, uh, there are good people and I shouldn't hate men and I've got to work on the daddy issues that I personally like to have. Oh, I got daddy issues too. And then uh, I have a question, side note of a side note, um, because I do have to bring it to dating a little bit real quick and get your advice because you seem so grounded and smart. Not really. I mean, but... But that's the thing. Like, you have bad days and you have good days. Oh, that's true. You know, I can be grounded right now, but, like, three hours ago I wasn't. Or, like, five hours from now I'm going down for a minute I just, like, something happened. So, yeah. like, that's another thing. It's, like, is knowing that everyone's fucking and to work. fighting out there. It's a work in progress. Everyone's yeah. going through shit. It's a life's work. Um, yeah. Kind of getting so without serious. It would be, without it, we would be like, holy shit, this video game is, like, I've passed every level. Boring. That's true. Do you believe in love still right now? I mean... I do. I believe because I feel like people's attention span, people's attention spans. I feel like I get worried with the porn and social media social and media. attention spans and being addicted to newness and stuff. And so I just get disenchanted with love and like wondering if I can trust people. But I feel like I'm I have a lot of love to give, and I feel like I'm so if I have all that to give and can be in a monogamous, loving, romantic thing. I am trying to trust that other people exist that there want is. the same thing and are capable. Absolutely. But there's also a time for everything, you know? There's, like, times where you're like, oh, fuck. Like, but then you're not supposed to meet somebody. Maybe if you do meet somebody right now, you'd be a fucking wreck. You would, like, in the wreck in the sense of, like, you would fall in love so hard that you can't even focus and do what you need to do. Oh, so not, sometimes it's better to not be Maybe it's better that. to know that you're going to meet somebody when you're supposed to meet somebody. And yeah. if you aren't right now, look at the, all the stuff you're accomplishing. There's times where I fall in love so hard that I'm like, I don't want to do anything. I'm like, I'm done. I just want to go like get a farm and like be with that person. Out. Oh yeah. Then you've got to, but you've got to do all the things that you're meant to be doing in this world. So that yeah. can't, and that might get in your That's way. the thing. When you're not looking, you're fine. Do you think if a man calls a woman a chick, he hates women? Cause I don't like that. I met a guy who does that and it irritates me. But I'm I don't still know. like. But then I also have like one of my friends who was like, "Oh my god, I met this chick. She's fucking amazing." Yeah. So it depends on what connotation it is, you know. Um, I think I've, I've I've used the word chick before. Yeah, that's but, your word. That's your word to take back. That's our word. We can say that. Right, right, right. Uh, what? How did he say? Just referring to women as chicks, and I'm like, who the hell? But he has mommy issues too, so I don't know. Everyone's got issues. Oh, it's crazy, god. but yeah. Okay, tell me how. 
this I got I got to take talking about the equal rights amendment to dating. We're right. going to get in a real basic level. Cuz here's <laughs> the thing. I I'm of course a feminist. I have my whole life. I'm like so driven. I do all this shit. I'm trying to lead by example, live my life by, you know, to whatever. I got a lot of shit I'm doing. But when it comes to date and I pay for all my own stuff, I got my my apartment, my car, all the stuff. I'm like I take care of myself. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to dating, I have this whole potentially backwards way of thinking where I like traditional roles where I want be- I have this whole idea where it's like, well, I already don't get paid equal or even though I have a very weird freelance lifestyle where right. but I probably still don't get paid equal. Never. Right. Anyway, but I have this whole idea where it's like eventually I'm going to have a child and be laid up for 9 months and you know, I won't get paid leave and uh Oh, there's no. And we make the babies yeah. and it's like I am the I should be put on a pedestal. I'm a woman. Yeah. I I created you. Like yeah. um so I feel like, yeah, I want the man to pay for the first. I'm like really taking this down to a real everyday right, right. Uh, elementary level. But it's like, is that bad? Does that does that fuck things up for women? If I am a woman who like wants a man to pay and woo her uh, on the first date or, you know, is no, that backwards? What, what, why is that backwards? You know, like because you know. I'm like, am I fucking up the pro- if I'm if I'm a woman who wants equal rights and things to be equal? Isn't that fucked up if I'm putting it upon the man to I don't think it is, or this right. is how I've been living my life, right. but but I'm interviewing you, and this, you're a fucking activist in this world, so I thought, okay, you, I'm interested to hear what you would be saying, and you know, how you navigate your own dating life, or that's yeah. not my business, or what yeah. you think, how does this extend to dating, equal rights, and like... I think it's, it comes down to, like, sometimes you want to pay for the person you love. No, not me, never. <laughs> no? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I no, love I do, paying I do, as I do. well. I love paying I, as well, I but do. I also love people you know taking care of me too it's like a it's like a back and forth it's like you know and also like a man also like just wants to like wow i, wanna, I just want to invite her to dinner because it just feels good yeah. you know and, and, you, and you have to see it as that you know and but if you want for example somebody to take care of you there's a lot of women that like that no not like a, for me no, i'm saying yeah. when you're getting pregnant that's or, one that's yeah that's, but that's all natural i think that would happen if like if you know, one is pregnant and the other one's like, you know, I'm going to take care of you while getting pregnant because in this country, we don't have maternity leave. Yeah. Can you believe that? Majority of countries have like 50 weeks, 70 weeks. We don't have anything here. So, um, so at the end of the day, you shouldn't feel guilty about it because so, it's normal. So first month or two of the relationship, mm-hmm. you meet somebody. It doesn't necessarily have to be you. It's an alternate universe we're living in just to have this conversation about uh, Alexi talks about equal rights amendment and dating. <laughs> so Dating. Okay. So first two months, you meet a guy. Mm-hmm. You're both successful. You're both living your lives. Um, and he has to take you out to dinner. And uh, and there's a wooing process happening. He's, he's dating you. Mm-hmm. How does the finance... How does... Uh, how do you navigate that? What does that look like? Well, if I'm living with someone else, I think it's 50-50. Well, because I want to feel that way. But there's I'm a- talking about the beginning of the relationship. Oh. Beginning of the You just met the guy and, and take me for through the first three right. months and, and what the paying situation looks like. Because I have also I, – I, I pay sometimes. I buy presents for people. I'm completely confused. I try to go by my intuition. I feel guilty because I would feel bad if I were a man and expected to pay. Like if I were born a man and like I knew when I'm dating, like I have to pay for the woman because it's the masculine thing to do or whatever. You're opening this cubby hole. It's warm, right, right, right. you know, uh, a web of a conversation. How you're the badass activist? Tell me. I mean, you know, and I, <laughs> I know we both like are older. So I, yeah, right. I'm just saying. How how would you? I look to you. First three months of dating a guy. Mm-hmm. What? 
how does that unfold? How does that unfold? Do you let him pay for you? What is I'm talking about like Yeah, whatever feels natural. Whatever uh, feels right. I because, want a blueprint. Because because also like you it's almost like if the magic's there, it's almost like you'll you both will be fighting to pay. You'll be like, No, I want to pay. No, I want to take care of you. No, like that's that's the beauty of it when you just when when you find somebody you have a, such a deep connection with all these rules and all these thoughts and all these things that like kind of like get in our head they kind of just go away not my head you know that line where like when that person walks in the room you realize why i never worked out with anyone else oh man and that's where it comes down to you know you can you've had you know you've had of you you could have had like all these bad experiences and all these bad dating things and all of a sudden this person walks in and it just everything just makes sense oh there's God. not all these questions and all these things debates or these freakouts in the head are just gone because this person doesn't trigger any of that. This person is just like all of a sudden just unconditional love and you're that person that's bringing the best out of him and he's bringing the best out of you and all of a sudden you're just like a new person. That's what happens when somebody's healthy for you. They bring the best in you and you bring the best in them and they ch- and you challenge each other. That's when it's a good relationship. You know, you're actually, they bring the side of you Jesus. that's always been inside of you but it's yeah. always like but all of a sudden it's just heightened and it's just like you're in this place where it like and I always think that the best relationships are when you're creating, you know, with with oh, your yeah. person because all of a sudden it takes the pressure off the relationship because yeah. you're working or creating or you're doing this and this and that. Therefore, all these little insecure moments that pop in our head in and out are just out the window because you are basically creating with this person and creation never ends. There is no death to that. You know, and it just all of a sudden just and that's the thing. The best advice I can give you is like the best relationship you're ever going to have is somebody you're creative with. Oh, my God. That's all I want. Yeah. And you will have it. But you just you have to also know that all these things that are popping in your head in and out are projections of of relationships that you've been in or men that you've been with that just create anxiety or create all these little questions in your head and make you feel inadequate or make you feel less or make you feel insecure and that's what it is. And that's the thing. When that person do walks in, because I know you're going to tell me one point, you're going to be like, that person walked in my life. Oh, God, I hope And it so. will. And it will at some point. Yeah. But, and you'll understand that it's just, it's just easy. It's like that, that, those are the best relationships. It's just easy. There's just, what? That, that That's how easy that was? Oh, shit. Like, oh. When there's just no drama, you know? You it's just, just a flow. It's just a flow. And I, I say this quote sometimes because it's so cheesy and it's Rumi's quote. And it's, you know, what you seek is seeking you. Whatever you're, somebody else out there is seeking what you're seeking and it will pair. It's like attracts like, you know, like Albert Einstein. It's just science. It will. Those two frequencies will meet. But you can't be thinking, and I know it's part of this whole thing, but it's like you just have to trust. This is that place where you just have to be like, it's coming. It's not here yet, but it's coming. I'm already, that's it. You know, and just know that, when all these questions and all these things are popping in hand, they go away. That's when you're with the right person. Yeah. I'm trying to learn how to trust my intuition better because I'll get like clues, immediate clues, but I'll go, oh, I'm so fascinated by people or like, and I'll push my intuition away. Yeah. I got to just listen to my intuition. Um, yeah. We're always the first to feel it and the last to believe it, you know? Yeah. Our gut is like, blah, blah, blah. You're like, oh, yeah. And then when it happens, you're like, I fucking knew it you said something to me really great oh because we both spoke on that panel at right. women of cine family yeah, yeah. now it's like i'm really getting to the I, I could have started with that but uh you said something beautiful to me about uh about 
you gave me dating advice at the dinner for the uh, at the dinner for the women of Cine family week or whatever about how like you have to keep something for yourself. Yeah, you do. It's called keeping your ace in your back pocket. Tell me about this. This is incredible. Yeah, I was. It was. Just, it was somebody told me this long time ago. He's actually a Native American. All right, um, relax. I'm just kidding. No, he was an amazing Native American, like, Don't make this healer. Even more whimsical. He was incredible, and I was going through a really bad breakup that I don't really want to get into. But we want. 2010, it was really bad. It nearly cost my life. Um, and he said to me, you have to keep something for yourself. Like, you have to keep your ace in your back pocket. So when something goes wrong, if something goes wrong, like you at least don't feel like you gave your entire self to someone. Like, at least you keep something to yourself. So the the end or whatever is not as bad. You know, it's like that thing. You always want to keep that. It's almost like you just got to keep that with you, with yourself. Like whatever it is, whatever that is to you, close to you, you keep it. And that's something I've learned in everything because we tend to give ourselves completely. I mean, I feel like you're a giver. Mm -hmm. I'm a giver too. And I give everything. It's just, yeah. yeah. And even in friends and everything, I just overgive myself and I have to just kind of like scoop back a little because, you know, it's nothing to do with people. It's just everyone's battling their own shit. And, you know, they end up not acknowledging certain things or seeing certain things because everyone's caught up with their own bullshit. Everyone's going through shit. You know, it's just life, you know? Yeah. So, um, but that's the thing. It's like keeping that, you know, with yourself and not giving yourself completely. And it doesn't mean like, oh, when you fall in love, you got to give your whole entire self. You can keep something to yourself. And that's the thing. It's, it's, it's like, it's you. Do you think that's more of a female thing to do? Because I feel like I, that's something I've been talking about for months with my girlfriends and my mom. Because I went through this period where I went, I just have to stop dating. I have to right. stop having sex with people. I just, because I noticed this thing in myself where I would just be talking about my dating situation with anybody and everybody who would listen and it, it stopped being about processing. And it mm-hmm. started just being about me losing myself in my dating mm-hmm. and putting men first and kind of like not being the best best version of myself and right. not rising to like my full potential because I was so busy like talking and analyzing about love and mm-hmm. you know and I just felt like I got so angry because I thought uh, I'm going to break it down to the two genders where I, I would just see men not leading with emotion putting themselves first putting work first and me just texting all my girlfriends talking to the barista at Starbucks talking to Aristotle like everybody I was like spitting out and I went, oh, my God, enough. I want to tap into my masculinity, quote, unquote, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, stereotypical masculinity. And I want to fucking put my career and me mm-hmm. for like. So, you know, it's, I just feel like it is a hard thing. I'm trying to learn that for myself. And I think overall, if I'm going to generalize, it is a hard thing for women to to not lose themselves. Because mm-hmm. I even heard Ileana Douglas. I've said this before. Ileana Douglas is one of I love her. She's an actress. She's a director. This wonderful woman. And she was uh, interviewed and talking about how women have a bad habit of putting love first, Mm -hmm. which is a beautiful thing, but it's Mm -hmm. not, you know, Mm -hmm. really it's detrimental. So it's just like a really hard thing to navigate. So Mm -hmm. when you say like keeping your ace in your back pocket, that's a beautiful metaphor because, and it's so hard to do. Mm -hmm. And because we are nurturers, because we do have the children, because we Mm -hmm. do, you know, when we have sex, we internalize, you know, we are Mm -hmm. being entered. It's just like... uh, I'm just I'm just trying to find the happy medium. Yeah, no, it's it's tough. It's tough because it's it's almost like it's like it's almost a game within a place where you're not supposed to play games. You feel, you know? feel, feel, feel safe. But I'm everyone's like, trying <laughs> to protect themselves. Everyone's had their heart broken. Everyone is afraid. Everyone projects. 
you know, it's tough. It's tough. But then there's also that time or that moment where you just meet that person. And you're like, okay. Oh God, I fucking you know? hope so. <laughs> I mean, man, we got to land this plane. You got a life to go live. But uh, yeah, I mean, listen, let me look at my notes here. All right. Free of the nipple, directed by you. We <laughs> talked about that entry point. Okay, entry point to the to the talk about the equal rights amendment. Uh, oh, feminism and dating. I tried to touch upon that. How to free the nipple come to be? Lena's checking her phone. That's fine. I'll probably edit this part out. <laughs> oh, so you don't think men and women hate each other? All right. Do I? Do I think? <laughs> Sorry, it was my mom. Oh, wow. What did she say? Did she say she's, hi? She just had uh, bronchitis. Oh, no. Yeah, she's doing better. I was like, how are you doing, mom? And she just answers something else for like, that's what I was just reading right now. Okay. Um, let's see. So relationships aren't dead. You mm-hmm. don't think men and women hate each other. I, I, the good people and bad. Well, you can't even they, say good they, people. But hating is, is people that have gone through shit. You know, I think at the end of the day, what's going to get us through this whole thing is compassion. You know? It's it's just being compassionate, you know, when people treat you a certain way, you understand like, oh, you know, like I try to do this a lot. Like it's called a compassion loop. If I see somebody that's hurt me or whatever, I just go back to like, you know, going back to the situations they might be going on in their lives or, you know, or, or how they were as kids or how their parents treated them. And by the time I get back to how old they are now, I'm like, oh, you, it's just you build this compassion towards people that end up hurting yeah. you. And you understand, you know what? He's projecting certain things onto me. He's going through shit or, you know, it's not about me. It's never about you. Yeah. It's never, ever about you. And that's the thing. You know, it's it's not to take anything personal because it's never, ever about you. If yeah. somebody's telling you you're this, you're that, it's not about they're going through shit. At the end of the day, if people talk shit about other people, it's because they're unhappy. When you're happy, think about it. You don't have anything negative to say about anyone. Anyone saying something bad, you're like, yo, you you're bringing me down. Life yeah. is good, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it, that's what it comes down to. Like, people that are hurting hurt people. People that are mad and sad, they talk shit about people. But but there's you can be aware of that, but I like to uh, wish those people well and then walk away yeah, from them, though. And totally. That's why, and that's why I feel the need to protect myself when I date. I just met this guy, and we will land this plane momentarily. But no, anyway, please, I please. I, so I just met this guy, and we went on, I was telling Aristotle, we went on five dates. He's totally lovely. But he talks about love and romance and analyzes as much as I do. Mm-hmm. And I have this thing where people like to feel comfortable enough to tell me everything, mm-hmm. which I don't always love, but people feel very safe with me. That's a really nice thing. But he just told me so many things and I and he and I could hear him and I'm mm-hmm. taking the information he's giving me and I've got to be smart about it. And he just told me he's like, you know, I uh I, I have a really hard time believing in like the the construct of like monogamy and and it's like I I'm really worried that I'll never meet somebody who will make me not want to cheat. So he's telling me this and I'm like, what? Make you, wow! Like and I'm thinking, wait, so now you're setting? So I I, I went okay, thank you How for being long so were you honest. Guys dating for? We've only been on four dates. And he already said that. And because he feels people feel very open, especially men. It's a it's a it's a blessing and a curse where they feel like they can tell me all this shit because they feel like I won't judge them. And I'm like, I'm not judging you, but I can choose. I'm getting this right, information. Right. I want to feel safe in a relationship. That's what a relationship is. I have a lot of kooky, weird friends I would never want to date. But if I'm going to date somebody, I wanted to start off where I feel safe with them. Mm-hmm. So he's telling me this, and I'm thinking, Oh my god, are you, it's like you're setting up the whole relationship where I've got to be like, Well, I hope he doesn't decide he wants to cheat today yeah exactly so i'm supposed to have dinner with him tomorrow what do you think i should do 
I want to get out of it. I feel like I got too much information and I'm like, and I've got to like protect myself. My intuition is saying yeah. like protect yourself. Protect yourself. And you know what? You should send him a text. Just say, be nice. He was like, listen, love meeting you, but I think we're so different. Um, thinks, I wish I wish you nothing but the best. And that's it. He thinks we're so similar. No, no, no. You think you should do that. Okay. I think it's going to trigger something and he's going to either fight to see you again or just be like, you know what? You're right. So that's, if anything, it's a good test. And you see how you feel. But just be truthful. Just be like, listen, love meeting you. Love our connection. But I feel like we're very different. And I feel like you said a few things that are just honestly don't make me feel safe to even move forward. And nothing personal. That's how you're choosing to live your life, which is totally fine. Yeah. But uh, I think it's best that, you know, and it's good. Just be honest about it. And that's it. And see what happens. If it doesn't, then it's great. You actually save yourself some wacko shit in the future but that's the thing like you you were talking about social media and you're talking about how we're living we're always chasing that magic that like honeymoon period you know and you know it's before 18 months we experience a drug in our brains called pea which is you know what's in chocolate which that's why when we meet somebody we can't think straight we we can't sleep we just want to talk we talk 100 miles an hour we're super excited we stay up late we want to like marry them we want to do all these things and when actually when you fall in love scientifically it's when that drug pa kind of settles in your brain and it's 18 15 to 18 months into a relationship that's why it's more settled but what's happening now is people are chasing that first first original thing which is that magic period and and that's the thing what keeps people together is a partnership at the end of the day all those little that drug you know all that stuff kind of settles and that's the thing a lot of people are not ready for that so and that's another thing, like exactly social media, you're looking at people's pictures and, and this all this fake life that they're living where they're all miserable, you know? Yeah. You know, so like, you know, my friend is like a very successful person and anyone that would look at her be like, oh, my God, you have the life. But she's fucking miserable, you know? And, and we have this thing where like we're all pretending or not every like a lot of people pretend to live this life or be this happy, jolly person with a happy, jolly relationship. And it's not, you know, everything is, is a piece of work in a good way. Yeah. It's just, who's it going to be worth it to doing it with? And we're not. So if anything, you can just as much as this guy is being completely honest with you, you should be completely honest with them. Yeah. You know, love meeting you and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And that's it. And see what he says. It doesn't happen. You move on to the next, like that's yeah. it. That's it. You know, like I wouldn't want to feel safe if somebody's telling me it's going to be hard for me to stay loyal to you like that automatically. I'm like right away. You're just like in guard mode and you don't want to give any piece of you because you don't know when he's going to fucking just do something stupid. Yeah. If you believe that you cannot like I have friends that don't believe in monogamy. That's fine. I believe in monogamy. I'm a one to one person like I cannot like I am a loyal person. I've never cheated in my life and I know friends that have but that's just not my thing. You know. That's it. Like, it's not my thing. If you want to live that life, great. If you want to be polyamorous, you want to have an open relationship, that's great. But that's not for me. It's like, do you like pizza, spaghettis, you know, or Greek food? It's just a matter of taste. Yeah. I, I like monogamy and that's it. Oh, my God. Thank you. I got love advice. The listeners got some great love advice. Um, oh, my God. We learned so much. We're so sleepy. How do, how do we even do it? We did it. I'm channeling some uh, <laughs> being from 300 years ahead of our time. <laughs> These are blue beings. (laughs) Um, Well, do you you regret doing this podcast? Hell no. Good. It's always nice talking to you. Thank you for being here, Lena. Thank you for having me. Bye. (laughs) Now leaving Nerdist.com.